Well, hi, this is Pastor Mitch Horton with the Victory Church Weekly Podcasts. I've been pastor here at Victory Church since 1994, and I've been teaching and preaching God's Word for over 42 years. In my podcast, I want to take time to share biblical concepts with you, breaking them down in a way that's meaningful, easy to understand, and will help create a strong foundation for your spiritual growth. I want to see you grow closer to God, and I firmly believe that if you'll take the principles I teach and apply them to your life, that you'll start to see God moving in your life like never before. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the podcast. Well, I am glad to be with you again today on our Victory Church uh, weekly podcast. I really love to hear from you, uh, spread the word that these podcasts or on a weekly basis, and uh, encourage them, encourage your friends by uh, sharing it with them. And then uh, I'd love to hear from you subjects you'd like me to talk about, questions you may have about anything I say or anything else. Uh, pastor at VictoryChurchRaleigh.com is the way you get a hold of me, and uh, I will answer you back. Um, get right into the content of today. We are living in an amazingly, terribly divisive day. The enemy's trying to really rip apart the United States of America and, uh, and, and uh, in the political arena, uh, in the spiritual area, uh, just in general in life. People are at each other's throats in a way I've honestly not ever seen in my lifetime. There's an atmosphere of antagonism. Uh, you're aware of it, you feel it, you sense it. It's the spirit of Antichrist trying to set the stage for um, a man who will come as a man of pseudo-peace. He'll be a man of peace, but it's a pseudo-peace, it's the Antichrist, and uh, the global governance will come marching in at some point. Um, it could be that the United States, you've heard me say this if you've been around me any length of time, the United States um, uh, resists this global governance. If we can uh, have people in our government that resist the ideology of a global, a global uh, governance and, um, and the global reset that they're talking about, if not, then you know what? Our leaders will trash our constitution and our nation will join the other nations of the world in a glo global, uh, in, in a global uh, scheme that the Antichrist has to, uh, to um, bring the world under his dictatorship. So just be aware, all that's in full play right now. And there's just a real spirit of disunity. And uh, I, I, let me just blurt this out, not really real raw, but let me say this. We, um, uh, we have been given permission for some reason, the populace of the United States, to talk in a disparaging way about other people they disagree with uh, by calling them names, by defaming their character, et cetera, et cetera, uh, calling, uh, calling them what they are and, and revealing in public the things they're doing. Uh, and uh, that's been going on in, in the political arena uh, for some years now. And we have public figures who regularly defame and call other people names. And let me tell you what that's doing. Let me tell you what that's doing. What that's doing is fostering uh, uh, a mindset that I can trash somebody and it's okay. Friends, you're a, if you're a believer in Christ, you don't have... You don't have the permission from God, the Holy Spirit, or the Word of God to do that, uh, or from the Lord Jesus himself. No, your responsibility is to walk in love. And so, uh, so you know, let me just say this, uh, 2015, 
uh, Donald Trump came on the scene, uh, began, uh, he announced his running for president, I think it was uh, June of 2015, and then as he ran his campaign, there are things I like about Donald Trump. I like the fact that uh, he is not a globalist, he's a constitutionalist. I like the fact that he, and, and having said that, he likes uh, the borders of our nation to be closed. He thinks that each nation should be responsible for themselves and that we don't need to be the policemen of the world, we being America, yada, yada. I like those things about him. What I don't like about Donald Trump is the fact that he, um, again, uh, calls out his enemies by calling them names and speaks about them in a disparaging and derogatory way. Maybe he feels like he needs to do that because the things they're doing in secret and they're pretending to be one thing when there's something else entirely. And that may be his M.O., but nonetheless, I don't like that. And I think that's setting the stage. I think that's setting the stage for uh, people in our culture just to say things, to be disunified, to just blurt things out, for people to get on Facebook uh, and various social media outlets and blast people. And, uh, and, and believers are being involved in this. And now, you know, we've got the church issues with uh, various uh, people in the body of Christ that have been prominent figures. You know, my encouragement, don't get involved in that. God wants you involved in loving people, walking in unity and praying and praying for people. I don't talk about what I don't know, and it's not my business unless God, for some reason, makes it my business. But generally, you keep you keep your stuff and God will deal with things that aren't right. And that's generally the way it works, unless you're, unless you're a leader and have to deal with things in a public way, right? So let me talk about the importance of unity. There is a need for unity in the body of Christ today like never before. Uh, let me just say this. Satan uses disunity as a major weapon against the body of Christ, and we need to be on guard against his tactics. Let me remind you of Ephesians 6.10, a final word, be strong in the Lord, and in his uh, mighty power put on the whole uh, on God's armor, this is New Living Translation, so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Verse 12, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Sun Tzu, in his book, The Art of War, written around 500 B.C., a uh, well-known book, I think it's in the public domain and free if you want to see what Sun Tzu had to say. He said, there's just several things here. In number one, he said, if you know your enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. I really like that. Then he said, if you know yourself but not your enemy, for every victory gained, you'll also suffer a defeat. So uh, if, you don't, if you know yourself but you don't know your enemy's tactics. Then thirdly, he said, if you know neither your enemy nor yourself, you'll succumb in every battle. So I really like that. So his idea is know yourself, know your enemy, and you'll and you'll, you'll conquer. And so one of Satan's major tactics, so let's talk about our enemy, Satan. One of his major tactics is to create disunity and division. He knows that he can't uh, contend with the power of God. Don't forget that Satan created disunity in heaven and got uh, one-third of the angel, angels to march against God, and all of them 
were kicked out of heaven. God won't put up with disunity in his place, and he kicked him out. So again, God has more power than he has, and he knows that, but he will pull your bluff at every chance. And one of the ways, since he knows he doesn't have as much power as God has, and that the average, everyday believer has authority over him, one of his tactics is to get, keep us from walking in love. Once you step out of love... You step into darkness and onto Satan's turf, and if he can get you into disunity with others, he'll pull the spiritual rug out from under you and diminish the power of God in your life and in a church, or et cetera, et cetera. So again, one of his tactics is to create disunity, division, Matthew 24, 7. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you'll be arrested, persecuted, killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers and many will turn away from me. Listen, many will listen. Many will turn away from me. Listen, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other and betray and hate each other and betray and hate each other. I just want, to, want you to see that's one of the characteristics of the last days is disunity. Matthew 12, 25, that Jesus said, but Jesus knew their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom, listen, every kingdom uh, divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand so again you know, a contemporary english version of that says this jesus knew what they were thinking and said to them any kingdom where people fight each other will end up ruined and a town or family that fights will soon destroy itself now see satan's tactic and our nation is to destroy it through infighting, racial division, political disunity. And his tactic in the church world is to create division, disunity, so the Holy Spirit won't manifest. You just got to know that. It's unity that causes the Spirit of God to manifest. So everywhere Satan can, he seeks to create an air of disunity. Let me just, uh, before we go any further and say this, uh, several weeks ago in one of our prayer meetings, we have prayer meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and if you attend Victory Church, uh, you're invited, or you just attend another church, but you want to come and pray, uh, I invite you to come with, to, uh, with us and pray on Tuesdays and Thursdays every week at noon. And uh, we have an amazing prayer meeting, we have an amazing prayer time, and uh, so you're invited. In fact, we have people from, we have people from other um, from other churches that actually come and are a part of these prayer meetings. And so during one of these prayer meetings, just a few weeks ago here, uh, we're, we sit in a circle. We usually have between 15 and 20 people. You're invited to come, really. We have an amazing time praying. Also on Sundays uh, at 8.15 prior to our first service, we have a good, believe it or not, a really big crowd of people come and pray. So I want to encourage you to come and pray with us. You'll learn to pray, and then you'll help us uh, Help us obey God. So again, um, uh, and during that prayer meeting, you know, God during the, um, uh, anyway, God mentioned that during the revival before Jesus returns, people, there, he said, your, your young men will uh, see dreams, uh, will have visions, your young old men will dream dreams. 
And so, again, he's talking about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So, I've had so many people come up to me of recent say, I had this dream about this, that dream about that. I think that's great. God said that would happen. It's just totally normal. Don't live by a dream. Live by the word. If a dream is of God, it'll come to pass. It may be a dream of warning, admonition, whatever. Listen to it, but don't live by it. Live by the word, right? So, anyway, uh, another thing is, is vision. So, Sometimes God uses your imagination, and then when you're praying, let me just say this, when you're praying in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will use your imagination, and, uh, and so that happens to me, that, uh, meaning that uh, while you're praying, images will come to your mind, and, and you don't know why. Sometimes it's just you, because you had too much pizza the night before. I'm joking, but you know what I mean. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, you know, when something comes up to you again and again and again, it may be the Holy Spirit urging you. Don't forget that. Peter, in Acts 10, had a dream and saw a white sheet let down from heaven with all kinds of animals, clean and unclean, in it. And God was showing Peter through that that he was accepting the Gentile world into the church of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jews and Gentiles alike were part of God's family. And so, again, I could go on and on with dreams that people had. Joseph had a dream. And, uh, you know, J Joseph Mary's husband had a dream. Joseph in the Old Testament, had a dream. And many, many people had dreams. So I was minding my own business in our prayer meeting on a Thursday, about three weeks ago or so. And I, in my mind's eye, I'm sitting there praying. I'm praying in the Spirit. We're praying in English. We're praying in the Spirit. I began to see what looked like a big old python uh, worming his way around the circle of chairs. In my mind's eye, I didn't see it physically, but it's as though he was, you know, moving through the chairs, darting his tongue in and out. And I said, whoa, and I kept seeing it. And I knew that I knew that I knew that a demonic entity was seeking to create disunity. I knew it. And he was looking for an inroad into our church family. I, preen, I, I prayed boisterously, if I can say it that way, right after I had that. In fact, I surprised myself at how uh, loud and strong I was in prayer. But you know what? I needed to be because I was dealing with the demonic force that I knew was seeking to, to uh, create an air of disunity at Victory Church. And it's not going to happen. We got Listen, we got wonderful things happening in our church. People are being stirred in God. We're having wonderful services. And Jesus is doing some wonderful, fresh things among us. I don't want that to stop. I don't want to get in the way. So I'm saying, God, don't let me put my hand on it. And if I'm saying God don't let me put my hand on it and hinder it, I certainly don't want the devil putting his hand on it and hinder it. So I'm, I said, devil, I mean, we, we, I mean, we prayed. We prayed about unity. We bound demonic forces. And you may need to do that at times in your life. The Holy Spirit fosters unity. Anything that seeks to divide believers is never the Spirit of God, ever. God creates unity. I want you to see this, for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do through the church in the last days and through your life in what God's called you to do. You've got to be willing to walk in unity. I want you to notice it was unity among the people in the book of Acts that brought the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.14, talking about the disciples and the, the apostles in the upper room, the 120. It says, these all continued with one accord. What did they continue with? One accord and prayer in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. What were the 120 doing? They were praying 
And what was the foundation of what they were doing? They were in one accord. Acts 2.1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, it's a Jewish feast day. They had been in the upper room, I guess, 10 days or so. And they were all with one accord in one place. There in Acts 1.14, it says they all continued with one accord in prayer. Acts 2.1, they were all with one accord in one place. And the Holy Spirit fell on them. And the first uh, believers were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that, goes, and that, that uh, experience is to continue through the church age. Acts 2, 42, these, they continue. That is the 120. They continued. Stead, and, and the people that came to Jesus as a result of their testimony. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions, goods dividing among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily watch with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor among all the people. And the Lord added daily to those who were being those who were being saved. So again, it was unity. It was unity that caused the Holy Spirit to be poured out on the day of Pentecost because the believers were in one accord in prayer. And it was unity that uh, brought about the the moving of the Spirit, the conversion of souls the outreach of the church in Jerusalem and the ensuing gifts of the Spirit and miraculous power of God that, that came on the man who was crippled that was, had, uh, that was at the, uh, one of the gates of the temple for almost 40 years. And Peter and John came by and said, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And, and that caused quite a stir in Jerusalem. And a lot of people came to the Lord as a result of seeing the power of God. Then the religious people, listen, when you walk in unity, religious people don't like it. And the devil will use religious people. He'll, he'll use fleshly people. And he'll use people who say they love Jesus to badmouth people who are doing something for Jesus. Listen, so you got to be, don't let the enemy use you as a tool of disunity. So the early church prayed, Acts chapter Chapter 4, verse 29, Now, Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Again, they prayed in one accord, and because they prayed that way, the very building where they were assembling was, was shaken, and they were filled with, uh, with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word with boldness. But verse 32, so good. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. What does that mean? They were in unity. That, that's so good. Then Acts chapter 5, they were being persecuted by the religious people in Jerusalem. And then notice what it says, and, and then they had prayed, and then through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done uh, among the people. 
And they were all look with one accord in Solomon's porch. See, what, what was the key to the power of God flowing? It was that they were uh, with one accord in Solomon's porch. They, they were with one accord in one place, as it says in Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 4. Here it is, Acts 5. Um, um, Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost just before this and dropped dead because the power of God was so demonstrative. What caused the power of God to be so strong that judgment fell on liars? It was because they were in unity. They were in one accord. And so here it is again, Acts 5, 12, through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of them dared uh, rest there joined them, but the people esteemed them highly, and the believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Friends, there was an eruption of the power of God. Why? Because the people were not only praying, but they were walking in unity. You can be a prayer, a person that prays, but you're looking with disdain on people who are not as spiritual as you or who don't know what you know or don't attend your church, friend. Those kinds of things will quench the power of God. God's not called you to be a judge and jury to anybody. He's called us to love people, even if we don't agree with them or we would, wouldn't do life the way that they do it. God has called us to walk in love and unity, regardless of what other people are saying or doing. How many hear what I'm saying? So you got to be careful with this thing. Unity is the key. Unity is the key. Let me say it again. Unity is the key to the power of God working in the body of Christ in the last days before Jesus returns. 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. I think the, I've, I've been praying this verse. I pray this per verse for our church and have been for decades now. First uh, Corinthians 1.10, that you would all speak the same thing, that there would be no divisions among you, but that you would all be perfectly joined together in the same mind and judgment. King James Version has been etched into my head for years now. And I pray that, pray that God would bring unity uh, among us. How many know it's so necessary if you want the power of God in the presence of Jesus? Uh, among you as a church. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, therefore a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Listen, always be humble and gentle. This is New Living Translation. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Isn't that good? Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. You know, that's quite opposite of a lot of the things I see now on YouTube and Facebook where people are disdaining other members of the body of Christ. Again, let me say this. I have no right to make a comment to anybody about anything that I don't fully know 
the entire scope of it. And I need to keep my mouth closed, and I need not make comments when I don't know, even if I do know. Do you know 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers. Love bears all things. That word bear means to cover. Love doesn't expose other people's sins. It prays for them. And, you know, if I'm walking in love, if there is somebody that's in error, I'm to correct them in a spirit of meekness, considering myself, lest I be tempted. So I'm not supposed to arrogantly blast them on social media for what they are or aren't doing. I'm to pray for them and, uh, and keep my mouth shut. If anything, if I know somebody, God may lead me to go to them and, and lovingly confront them as a fellow believer in the Lord Jesus. But he's not going to lead me to say something among, among a whole group of people and, uh, and air their dirty laundry. No, 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 my friend. Unless somebody's in false doctrine and teaching something that's absolutely aberrant and against the scriptures. You know, that's another, uh, that's another deal for another day to talk about. I'm talking here about we're called to walk in unity. We're called to walk in love. And we're to make every effort, as it says in Ephesians 4, 3, to keep ourselves united in spirit, binding ourselves together in peace. And then listen to Ephesians 4, 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And then it says, verse 30, do not bring God, bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, verse 32, Ephesians 4, be kind to each other. Listen, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. See, that creates an atmosphere of unity. That creates an atmosphere where God can do what he wants to do. Unity, listen, produces spiritual strength, and it produces strength in a body of people. Listen, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, New Living Translation. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, verse 12 says. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Again, there is strength in numbers. There is strength in unity when we're in one accord. Listen to Genesis 11. God had to confuse the languages of the people of the world. And notice why he did it. I, this is a startling scripture to me. It's after the flood of Noah. And it says this, Genesis 11, 1, at one time. All the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. 
In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. So these people were not believers. They were worshiping the signs of the zodiac. They were worshiping heathen gods. And note and and look what what God said when he saw that what they were doing. Genesis 11 verse 5, but the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building, again an astrological tower to examine the the stars and to worship false gods. Look, he said, now notice what God said to this group of heathen people who did not know him. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Now, these people didn't know the Lord, but he knew the Lord knew the power of unity. Even if they didn't know the Lord, when they unified their efforts, they became a powerhouse and God saw it. And so he said, verse 7, come, let's go down and confuse the people with the different languages. They won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. See, even among people who don't know the Lord, there is strength and power in unity. See, the enemy knows that. And that's the reason, uh, you know, he can't, he can't directly confront the power of God because it'll make him a French fry. But you know what he will do? Pull the rug out of, from under the people who are standing who can exercise authority over him. How does he pull the rug out from under them? By causing them to uh, get involved in strife, division, and disunity. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Notice again, verses 11 through, t uh, through 14, the dedication of uh, the newly built Solomon's temple. Again, Holy Spirit manifested because, because of the atmosphere created in the brand new temple of God. Uh, Second Chronicles 5.11 says, Then the priests left the holy place. All the priests were present, had purified themselves, whether or not they were on duty that day. And the Levites, who were musicians, Asaph, Herman, Jedithan, and all their sons and brothers were dressed in fine linen robes and stood at the east side of the altar playing cymbals, lyres, and harps. They were joined by 120 priests who were playing trumpets. Their trumpeters and singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words, He's good. His faithful love endures forever. As some translations say, they did it with one accord. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud. The cloud was the glory of God. For the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. Friends, that's under the Old Covenant, under the Old Testament, where God could get his people in a place and get them in one accord and begin to worship in one accord without strife and all the division and mess that haunts the human race because of the demonic mess around. Listen, then the power of God can flow. See, today, watch this now, on the heels of that, today we create a temple where God can manifest himself. We, listen to the Amplified Bible uh, 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple or his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you? 
collectively as a church and also individually. We create an atmosphere for God to dwell in. We are individual. The Greek word is naos for the holy of holies. We're individual naoses. We're individual holy of holies where the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, lives in our human spirit. But when we get together as believers, we create a, an environment where the Holy Spirit manifests. We, we create an environment where God can do amazing things uh, in our community. So again, Ephesians 2, listen to this, 19 through 22. This is New Living Translation. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all of God's holy people. You're members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him. Listen, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So listen, God wants local churches to be uh, churches and places of unity, places where the Holy Spirit can manifest himself, places where the power of God is present, places that are like a power zone in the kingdom of God, where people that are afflicted and sick and tormented by demon power can come and be set free. And the only way that's going to happen is we gather together in unity and create that attitude of being in one accord the way they did in the book of Acts. Listen, we've got the same uh, similar challenges and struggles now that the early church had uh, uh, at the inception of the church. Persecution is rising worldwide. We need the power of God just like they needed it in the early church. We need the power for, to have the power of God. We've got to do what they did. We've got to stay in love with Jesus, seek him as our first love, and walk in unity uh, among our fellow believers. Listen, the Holy Spirit will never, ne listen to this, the Holy Spirit will never motivate a person to do anything that brings division in the local church. He will never, ever do that. Make sure your actions and your words uh, help create unity wherever you attend your church. If you attend Victory Church, don't let disunity come out of your mouth or in or be portrayed in your attitude. Lastly, let me just say this. God wants us to walk in love towards our fellow man and, and towards believers. Listen to the Amplified. Let me remind you. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Before I get there, I remind you that Jesus said, uh, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So again, the, the number one pe thing that people should see that are not believers should see in our life as believers is love. Amplified gives us the characteristics of that love. Let me remind you of what you've probably already heard, but we all need reminding of. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, Amplified. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful. It's not vainglorious, nor does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited arrogant, inflated with pride. It's not rude or unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. Love 
God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way. That's so good. It's not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. You hear that? Love bears up. That word bears means cover. It covers with silence. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. That means it shuts its mouth about other people and what it doesn't like about them and what they're doing that it doesn't like. Love keeps the mouth shut. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes and is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. All right. So again, it's the love of God, my friends, in us that can enable us to walk in unity among our fellow believer. And friends, if we ever needed to do that, we need to do it today. So, you know, uh, sometimes we have a sandpaper ministry <laughs> towards each other. You get people in cl close quarters, like in the local church, you're going to have differences in personality, differences in the ways of doing things. Um, the differences in the way we see things. We don't always see eye to eye. And, you know, I found in life that's a good thing because when I'm able to get along with somebody I disagree with, it, it forces the hand of my flesh to stop and it creates an environment for me to grow spiritually. So the people you disagree with can literally create an environment for you to grow uh, spiritually in because you have to love and walk in unity towards people that you may not like how they do life you know and, and sometimes it's a god thing for you to be involved with people who don't do life the way you do isn't that, isn't that amazing that's just the way god is and that's the way life is again we grow when there's opposition and we do the right thing so let me also add this as, a, as an addendum to this. You know, having said that, we want to walk in unity and don't talk, talk in a disparaging way about anybody, particularly leaders in the local church. But having said that, they see, that's a lot different than if you've got a suggestion or a concern, don't go to someone else and talk to them about the leader. It may be one of the leaders here at Victory Church or the church you attend. It may be one of the pastoral staff team or one of the staff team at the church, and, or maybe it's just a church member, a volunteer that you're not seeing eye to eye with. The wrong thing to do is to go to somebody else and say something about it instead of them. The right thing to do is if you're feeling awkward. And, you know, I'm finding more and more that people in American culture do not like to confront anything. They'd rather run. They'd rather hide behind the keyboard on Facebook and say things where nobody can get to them. No, but the godly thing to do is when you disagree with something, 
go right to the person and say, can we talk? And then create an environment for the other person to say what they want to say. And then you to say what you think about that. But you need to do it in a kind, loving, caring way. And if you can't do it that way, then don't go. And then come to leaders if you disagree with leaders. You know, you may disagree with me. Well, don't go to somebody else and say you do because that's what the devil did to God in heaven. And that creates strife and disunity. No, what do you do? Come to me. I'll listen. You may not agree with me. I'll hear what you got to say. I may or may not agree with what you're saying, but at least I'll listen to you. And I'll share with you what I think about the situation and why I let you share. And we may come to terms or we may not. But, you know, I have an ear for people who disagree with me. And, you know, leaders ought to be that way. So that's the other side of the coin when you walk in love and unity in the body of Christ. And we desperately need to do that, my friends. So, Lord, I pray for us as we go our way into the various endeavors of life this week that the grace of God would be upon us. Lord, help us to be those that foster unity as opposed to disunity. Help us to be those that walk in love and believe the best of other people. And Lord, when we disagree with people that we're, we're alongside, whether it's on our job or at our church or in our home or in a community, Lord, help us not be the ones that foster strife and division. Help us to be those that are conciliatory. Uh, and and Lord, help us to see the best in every person and create an environment for openness honesty and integrity in all we think say and do and lord i commit that into your hands use every person uh, that is listening to this podcast to be a peacemaker in their environment in the name of jesus now i've gotten a word of knowledge here as person there's some real strife in your workplace and if you do this right and pray pray for you pray for the leaders in the organization pray for your fellow workers in the organization and then ask God to open up an opportunity for there to be uh, a meeting and, and for there to be a meeting of minds. And, and God may use you to foster that. What he doesn't want you to do is to talk behind the back of the leader about what you disagree with in the organization. Just encourage you. If you'll do that, God will bless you. You have a blessed week. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope it blesses you spiritually and helps you grow closer to God. Before you go, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Um, those simple steps go a long way to helping us reach new listeners that need to hear these messages. Also, I would love for you to reach out to me with any questions or comments you have about the topics I discuss. My email is pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com and it's in the show notes uh, there on the screen you have. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.